Hello and welcome back to In Five, the show where myself and a guest add up all the change in your purse very fast. And today I'm joined by Rob Wilson, friend of the podcast, podcaster himself, musician, journalist, and bon vivant. <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, fourth time. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, and first time doing this all live in person. In you know? person. In a brief apparent lull in all of the COVID festivities. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, just say that we're recording this about a week before Christmas, so um, that's the timestamp for when we're recording it, and how the COVID situation was. Maybe it's got worse or better since then. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, probably <laughs> both, because no doubt knowing my schedule, it'll be out sometime in November 2022. <laughs> so... Uh... If you're listening to this in the apocalypse, I'm very pleased you have found the requisite technology. <laughs> but anyway, Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Very, very little to report, which is always a good thing. <laughs> I did want to mention, though, that um, bloody Kanye, after we put off doing that episode for ages, we finally did it. And then he goes and releases a new album like two weeks after we put the episode out. Um, and it, it's a... It, it's a pretty good one as well. It and is, you know. I, 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 yeah. I really rather like Donda. I think it's his best in some time. Yeah, I'd say it's probably his best since Jesus. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. I agree with you because I was never too mad keen on the life of Pablo. No, I think. Uh, well, we, I think people know that we're not massive on life of Pablo. Neither of us are particularly massive on Jesus as King. No. Um, and but I think we we both sort of are okay on Yay, aren't we? But. Yeah, it's, it's it starts yeah. well, it ends well, it does have problems, but it's it's short and sweet, and it just feels like it has more reason to live. Whereas than, with Donda, it's yeah. just the total opposite. It's just this oh God. Like, Kanye odyssey through all of his best and worst stuff. I think that because there is some stuff on there that I think is just garbage, <laughs> but it's a bit few and far between. And there's also some stuff there that is genuinely quite quite transcendent and very sweet and very spiritual in a way that Jesus as King really wanted to be and wasn't. Yeah, exactly. So, it is not yeah. as preachy. Um, it's more about sort of the the redemptive power of, of faith as opposed to believe or suffer, which was the Jesus is King mantra. But um, but in a, in a massive pivot, who, who mm. are we, we going to be discussing today? <laughs> well, speaking of mantra, yes. Uh, today we are... Speaking about a group which uh, Rob here introduced me to about two years ago, probably. Yeah, that's um, right. bit of a another different sounding group, another sidestep perhaps for the for the podcast. Going to be talking about Ollie Sykes and Co, aka Bring Me the Horizon. So, Rob, tell me why Bring Me the Horizon? What's the story there? Um. It goes back about as far as um, a story with Paramore, if anybody cares mm. to remember that. Because um, I think I mentioned on that episode that Paramore were a bit of a gateway for me into heavier music. Um, and Bring Me the Horizon kind of came hot on the heels of um, getting into getting into Paramore. Um, and then it, y- you start a downward slope into groups like Enter Shikari, and then you end up with Bring Me the Horizon... Uh, so early 2009, I want to say, um, at which point Suicide Season was out and Count Your Blessings was also out. Um, and also... Uh, this Count Your Blessings was also there. Yeah, it was also there. Um, <laughs> and This Is What The Edge Of Your Seat Was Made For was there. And so, you know, there's enough to be going on with there. And I think I remember getting shown the video for uh, Chelsea Smile. Um, it's pretty cool, but like when you see it and you're a teenager and you're like, oh, this is like Skins... 
Um, and so you get into them and you get into Suicide Season. I was a really big fan, actually. Um, but they attracted quite a lot of negative attention from like the metalhead community. I think they supported Killswitch Engage on stage and they were bottled off the stage. Uh, so there was a, you know, they, they were sort of like a metal band, but for teenagers. And luckily I was a teenager, mm. so I was well into them. And then 2010, you get There Is A Hell, I'm not going to say the full title because um, it's too long, which felt like um, a, a big kind of step forward for them at the time. The more more electronic elements, more melodic elements, more orchestral elements. In 2011, um, kind of moved out of the phase where I was into like heavy emo music and stuff like that. And I thought, ugh, I'm over this. I'm over this. And then Sempaternal came around and I listened to Sempaternal a lot. Like, Sempaternal's a really good record, I think. Um, and it was that was another big leap forward for the, for the band. But then I think that got more famous than they were expecting it to. And their sudden pivot to softer... I mean, still influenced by things like alternative metal and post-hardcore, but more alternative rock stuff. Uh, that was a difficult adjustment. That took me a very, it took me a very, very long time to get into that's the spirit. I think I could have been quoted as late as 2019, 2019 saying that I didn't like that record much. Uh, and then Ammo came along, and I was a bit like, okay, maybe these just aren't my group anymore. Like maybe I'm just not that into them. Um, but then, like I did quite through quite a lot of lockdown, uh, went back to a few of these bands, and then when they released uh, Post-Human Survival Horror which I really liked. Like, I think Post-Human Survival Horror is their, their best... It's not an album, it's like a mini-album. Almost it is. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's 30, stretching the yeah, time confines of an EP. It's 32 minutes. I think mm. it should be classed as an album of theirs. I, mm. I kind of class it as an album. Especially when Jesus is King mm. was bloody 22 20 and a half minutes, minutes long. in it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, enough about Kanye. Um, but mm. the thing with Post-Human Survival Horror is that I loved it so much, and yet there were so many elements of Post-Human Survival Horror that felt like the genesis point for the group were on that's the spirit and ammo and i was sort of like okay so they wouldn't sound like this now they wouldn't be doing songs like kingslayer if which is a song i really like if they'd not done throne first mm. or you know that sort of thing and i think you know as they've grown up and as they've been more influenced by um new metal and i would even argue that um pendulum are a really big influence on them these days and it's and then when we went to see them a couple of months ago, um, mm. all the, the whole aesthetic that they've managed over the last sort of six or seven years really felt like it came together that night. Where like they're they like were, a sort of vindication, didn't they? It really is. I feel like they have been vindicated for a lot of the choices they've made and reevaluating quite a lot of their stuff for this show. Um, I had trouble adjusting to the new Bring Me the Horizon in 2015, like post Sempaternal Bring Me the Horizon, but. I think a lot of it recontextualized with post-human survival horror now in the now in the world. A lot of it makes more sense, and these days I generally quite like that's the spirit, and I'm more on board with ammo uh, stylistically than I used to be. I'm not. I, I'm, st- I'm. It's still not one of my favorite of theirs. Um, but and what then, about the other release of that era, Music Two? Yes, Music Two was one that it wasn't given much fanfare. I kind of see that because that was released as an EP, but it's seventy odd minutes long. Mm. It's interesting, and I quite I, I think it's okay. I think it's just 
I don't really see it as like a full proper release. They just kind of quietly shuffled it out. They didn't give it much fanfare in promo. It's kind of like when we were doing Weezer, Death to False Metal. I kind of see it in the same way where it's kind of like <sighs> people kind of, you can count it as something if you want. You don't have to. It's kind of like a side project. Yeah, I mean, do you think that's thing? more Jordan Fish's thing? Yeah, I would say so. Jordan Fish has had like a massive influence on the group since he came yeah, in just yeah. before Semper Turner, where you can see that a lot of their music is now based more in things like programming. He and came in just after Semper Turner. It was actually during the pro- yeah, sorry, yeah, program, around yeah. The, around the no, time. No, but I didn't yeah. realise that. I always assumed it was actually before, but just in case people waiting in the know, I am learning this stuff as I go as well. Mm. Uh, Jordan Fish. Has been a huge influence on the group in a way that we'll probably discuss shortly. Yeah, uh, he joined after the Sembaternal breakthrough mm. and had a clear and obvious influence mm. on the direction of the group. But I am more intrigued mm. about where they are now, and I think we'll talk mm. about it more towards the very end of the episode when we talk about one of the categories. Mm. The, they're now a group who really to bring it all back to Weezer they kind of just do what they want mm. and the audience will either go with it or they won't and if you don't like this one there's always going to be something else coming in in a very short space of time yeah. that you will like um, and I mean I remember when I spoke to Rivers Cuomo and that's what he kind of said he just sort of said yeah people weren't that keen on Pacific Daydream or the Black mm. Album but OK Human was really close by and everybody likes that and so yeah it's they they seem happy with themselves to experiment and move between styles i thought once ammo was out it was a bit like oh well this is just the path they're going down now but it turns out it wasn't it was just a, a just another every every single album of theirs has somehow managed to be quite radically different from the one both preceding and next i think every album has had a big change but yes. for better or worse um which i, I appreciate. was born into us <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm but getting yeah, ahead of like, myself. Yeah, but no, it, they they are an interesting group, and I think that they are vindicated as well because now they play massive. I, you know, I was I was a big fan of them when they were getting bottled off stages, and now they're playing massive arena tours and, you and hate selling them. out. Well, and now they're playing massive arena tours and yeah. selling out, and like they've pulled together this really interesting aesthetic where like they're a metal group who appeal to a wide. When, when we were at the arena, I was shocked at like. The fact that there was no age profile and no, no real gender profile either. Not really. It was an, it especially was a, a metal gig. But. Fairly even spread around, and also you know, as you're saying, like lots of sort of folks look like they're in their forties, fifties there. Yeah, and so, and but they were wearing like Liverpool mid '90s Spice Boys FA Cup final cream <laughs> suits, and then it was a metal gig where they paused to do an acoustic piano thing when everyone put the well phone torches in the air because you can't have lighters indoors anymore but and there were also and then they brought out like a couple of r&b singers and they had a feature from a rapper and it was like i forgot that you know what fair play like you have pulled you have proved that metal doesn't have to be insular it can reach out and it can pull in influences from dubstep and drum and bass like i think they have done ever since sempaternal really um and I was actually reading an interview and I was I was convinced that Pendulum were a major influence on post-human survival horror and then I read an interview with Jordan Fish and he was like, oh, I was really into Pendulum when I was younger. And so, yeah, you can definitely tell on stuff like Kingslayer, I think, and on um, stuff like, um, even like bits of Dear Diary and things like that. The production styles are very similar to um, a couple of Pendulum's records. Uh, like In Silico was a big, uh, big reference point for me when I was listening to post-human survival horror. 
um, where Pendulum kind of moved from drum and bass in towards like alternative rock a little bit. They managed to combine the styles. Speaking of influences, maybe this is actually a perfect transition point. Well, I was going to say, do you, what's your history with them? Well, I, I have such a negligible amount of history with them, to be honest. In fact, until I started production of this um, podcast, I don't think I'd heard Bring Me the Horizon, because I actually think... Remember we had a conversation about two years ago when we first talked about them where I'd listened to their first album? Yeah. And I made a comment in response to it that you probably found somewhat baffling in retrospect where I talked about it being kind of, you know, typical sort of almost yobby Brit poppy-ish mid-noughties production, Mm -hmm. which it isn't, Mm. to be fair. And I think there might have been a Spotify error because what, uh, what was Count Your Blessings by Bring Me the Horizon was nothing like the album that I heard a year later that was Count Your Blessings by Bring oh, Me the Horizon. that happens every now and again with Spotify. I remember listening to um, uh, Tribe Called Quest's latest record and Spotify broke slightly and it, was the, it showed the Weezer Red album cover. <laughs> um, what are you trying to say? Instead of um, the... <laughs> The collage thing that they have for um, thanks for your service, we got it from here. But, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you don't have much of a history with Bring Me the Horizon. No, as in literally, like, it's you, about yeah. four months maybe. But still, in that period, um, well, you, you loved the show when you came. To oh, Sheffield good. Yeah. One thing I'll say is, I mean, I'd, I'd still I probably wouldn't say they're not going to be like a massive favourite band of mine. I like them, but at the same time, I'd advise anybody if you get the chance see them live. They are exceptional. The energy and show they bring and the way that they can galvanise the whole crowd. Really, really good. Excellent mm. show. Highly recommended. And I think it is just a little missing piece of the puzzle sometimes. So I'm glad this was sufficiently delayed that we had the chance to uh, to see them. Yeah. Uh, and me for the... Well, it was both of us for the first time, actually. Yeah, I'd missed them the first time around. I never... I didn't have enough friends who were, were into Bring Me The Horizon around here who would want to mm. go and see them. And it was back where the idea of going to a metal gig by myself was probably a bit intimidating. Yeah. Uh, Especially if you were in the get, pit. Well, I wanted to get involved in pits, but I wore glasses. So, like, you know, you're fucked. You either have to take your glasses off or stick with it and stay out of the crowd. Well, you were at this one. Bloody hell, no one was sure yeah. if he was going to do a marsh pit. And he was pretty much trying to kill the first... Yes. <laughs> first 500 people in the crowd. That shit, Sheffield, do another one. Yeah. Stay out of the middle, you are going to die. <laughs> oh, Ollie. Anyway. <laughs> right, moving on then. Two influences. Yeah, yeah. To pick up where you left off. Rob, tell me about Bring Me The Horizon's influences as you see it and where they can be found in a single song. Um... I think you could pick basically anything from the first EP because you cheat a little bit and you go on the wiki page and you see some of the bands that are listed as mm. the, that they were into and it's like yeah you can see the you can see the influences. I mean to be honest, it's got me into a lot of really interesting groups like Norma Jean and At the Gates and Carcass and things like that. Um, but also there's little bits of quite early Metallica in there. I think. Um, yeah, I saw the same teeny, thing. Teeny bit. It's, it's a bit. Much, it's a but... bit broad to say that everybody who has touched extreme yeah. metal at any point is going to have heard and been influenced by Metallica. Especially Ride the Lightning, I think, is yeah. the, the big turning point uh, in Bring Me the Horizons' lives. I imagine. Yeah, it maybe not so much on the but... on the, the first couple of records, but carry on. Yeah, it, yeah, it's so. Yeah, it's the 
the kind of the discordant post-hardcore influence guitar tones that Norma Jean were using. Um, and then you listen to the earlier records from At The Gates and you're sort of like, okay, yeah, you can see what they were going for here. But the screams that Ollie Sykes goes for on that first EP actually have more resemblance to the re- screams that he uses on Suicide Season, mm. I find, than on Count Your Blessings. It's like there's a little bit of a, I don't know, like like it skipped a generation almost. Um, but songs like Roar and <laughs> RE, They Have No Reflections and... Things like that. Um, they are... I mean, the first EP is fine. It's this clumsy little thing that a bunch of 17 it's and 18... It's funny. It is. It, it, there, it's a funny little thing that, like, some 17 and 18-year-olds listened to. Clearly, like, they were massively into, like, Norma Jean and Carcass. They must have, like, at the end of school, beginning of college. And they must have thought, like, oh, we can do this. And they can sort of do it to an extent. It's... it's. It, I mean, it's performed well enough. And some... <sighs> A bit. Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> the, 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 no. Anyway, I'll, I'll yeah. go on. You I mean, it doesn't, sound, it doesn't sound incompetent. It's a bit just... It's it's affectionately ramshackle. Yeah, that's a good that's, way of putting it. Yeah. Affectionately ramshackle. That is, that's an excellent review. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's, it's cute, I think. <laughs> Which is probably not what they were going for. No. I, I imagine, though, like, they haven't performed anything from before 2013 for fucking ages. So, like, clearly it's a part of their career that they don't want to really pay much attention to anymore because like I remember them playing Wembley Arena in 2018 and they were like alright fine you all wanted to play this so let's do it and they did Pray for Plagues off the first album Um, but yeah so that era I think you know the influences on the first EP and the first album are very different to what comes afterwards I think Uh, so their earliest influences yeah you're looking at like 90s early 2000s metalcore post hardcore death metal groups and like the ones that are listed on that wiki page specifically like the guitar tones like the discordant little like the weird sort of discordant upper up, up, mm. the, up the fretboard like that kind of stuff if you listen to something like Bless the Martyr and Kiss the Child from Norma Jean a lot of the guitar tones on that album will leap out at you as being like hang on a minute they used this on the first Primitive Horizon EP and it's even got that slightly lo-fi rough production where count your blessings is kind of produced within an inch of its life um it's this one's still a little bit rough and a little bit hoarse in a Mm. way that like even like something like jane doe is by converge like that kind of live sound roughness and yeah so something like that i think ari they have no reflections traitors only play hangman uh who wants flowers when you're dead nobody uh (laughs) and stuff like that um Anything off, anything off that EP. You could just have the whole EP if you want, because it, it's all very much in the same style. Along the same lines, I've just put, I crossed it out, but originally I just put some bullshit off one, and then, because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but by that, I actually was referring more specifically to um, Count Your Blessings, the first album. Now, Rob. Yeah. Count Your Blessings. Yep. Their worst album, or 
the worst album. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's it's their weakest record. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I have a lot of memories of it, and I think some of the riffs are quite cool. I think some of the riffs are pretty cool, but I just the more I listen to it, the production's crap. I really oh don't God, like, it's like the production. Tinny, it's like a piss. Yeah, it's, it's horribly the narrow. Whole thing, the whole thing sounds the same. The sonic palette never changes, and it means that there's very little variation, which means that the weaker songs, things like Slow Dance, and I've never been that keen on Off the Heze either. Um, I can't tell the difference, Rob. I've really tried. It, yeah, it's. I mean, there were some songs in there I, I have a bit of a soft spot for, like Pray for Plagues, because that was like one of the earliest Bring the Horizon songs I ever got into. Um, the tap solo on Medusa is quite funny, um, which I think like, that's obviously it's so derivative, but like it's pretty it's pretty cool. I think it, it, that there's a bit of an emotional peak in the song there, which there aren't many, but I, I do have issues with that record where it's like they can never. There's a problem with the first two records where they can never tell if they want to be these like super serious. You ripped my heart from my chest, threw it against the wall, and stabbed it several times, kind of group, or if they want to be like a a party metal group where they do oh. songs like um, football season is over and it's like look how drunk we're getting fucking hell to illustrate um, their you know their age and yeah. just where their heads were at there's yeah. a song that they probably thought was just hilarious and unique and original as a concept called uh, for Stevie Wonder's ears only oh, for Stevie Braille. Wonder's eyes only that's right Braille yeah because they've been explaining it with Braille at the end in brackets just so you can really uh <laughs> Which has got a pretty cool... I think that's got a couple of pretty cool riffs in it. Um, but, mm. yeah, the I think it's that they're so bogged down by their influences that in those first two records, um, uh, this is what the Edge of Your Seat was made for and Can't Your Blessings, that they kind of forget to be their own group, which kind of comes through a bit better on well, Suicide Season, I get the I think, impression but. that they're, they're kind of inexperienced was used against them on Count Your Blessings particularly because it sounds like they've been straight-jacketed. By because in the, say, yeah. the thing is, the first EP is stupid, but it's quite all over the place, and the, it never settles on any tempo. Influence-wise, from what little I've heard, the one that really sticks out from that first EP is Dillinger Escape Plan, their yeah, early yeah. stuff, which is really noodly, constantly, you know, it's kind of math rockish riffs, and then they change to a different tempo, and it's quite herky-jerky, and it's got this mad punk energy, and it's quite fizzy. With the... With Count Your Blessings, it's like a producer has taken this bunch of kids and forced them onto a click track and realises yeah. that they just have no interest if they're forced to be rigid. And it is just, oh my God, Ollie Sykes' vocals on that album are just unbearably shallow. <laughs> it's blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm not going to attempt to sing that, but you know full well from me doing that what the vocals are like. Yeah, yeah. It's blah, 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 metal vocals. Yeah, the, the that's where off the he's a kind of it's a bit of an issue for me because there are bits of that song where where he is literally just going yo 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 I mean, I think that record gets a bit of a... 
I think the reasons that people don't like it are different to the reasons that you should criticise it for, if you know what I mean. I feel like the reasons that people don't like, oh, they're a scene band, or they're just it's stupid. Because, like, no, metalheads have a lot yeah. of massive prejudices about really stupid shit. Oh, absolutely. Shit. Well, they did. Um, I think hopefully that's being worn it's down getting a there. bit. And I think Bring Me the Horizon are probably part of that. In, you know, the, the, the mainstream acceptance they've gotten and the, the success that they've had, I think that they've kind of force people into liking them out of sheer will mm. where it's like they've just they've been relentless they've kept going they've kept adding things and changing things and making a break for themselves whereas with Can't You Blessings I think it's very easy for a traditional metalhead to listen to that kind of album and go this is rubbish it's metal for girls but it's, it's true rubbish. I think and they so, did they got yeah. huge amounts of hate unfairly because of their age I think they got you know proper like spotlight gigs like far too soon as well to be honest but mm. At the same time, I don't have any... I wasn't there as part of that thing. I didn't... I'm not a metalhead, really. Uh, I wasn't a scene kid or anything like that. Mm. I think it's awful because I can't listen to it Mm. because of the production, because of the lack of variety, just because I find it actually painful and boring and fatiguing (laughs) to listen to. I... I don't like rating albums that I've not heard, but I thought I've tried to listen to this five times. I always get about halfway through skipping through the tracks. I might look, surely that will add up more or less to the album length. (laughs) This is my maths. Um, Okay, it is, I hate it. Yeah. I think it is, but I will, I think it's forgivable because there's not a cynical bone in its body. Yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of kids trying to be heavy and, and, Having having a luck, so it's nothing. The only cynical thing about it is the way it's been produced. But so, what would you pick? Be then we have to sort of. What, have you got any songs that you've actually got listed? Because if you've listed anything from the first EP, I think we just pick that and stick it down. Yeah, sh- sure. I mean, I, I admittedly I did go a bit beyond the 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 the, the first album because I mean to be honest, as you've acknowledged already, you already pretty much covered this. Influences change hugely, especially after that first couple of records. Yeah, I think you can tell mm. that they were clearly very influenced and very interested in Linkin Park at the time. Yes, but I've put... they weren't allowed to be like that until no. they were big enough to have a bit more creative freedom. And so I think if you look at it like not necessarily earliest influences, but the biggest influences on their earliest material, mm. I think. It's got to be something. They from... probably had to lean more extreme, didn't they? And to pretend that this yeah. isn't fun, this is extreme, which I always feel is, I'm sorry to say, one of the biggest metal mistakes. Mm-hmm. Pretending you're not fun. Yeah. It's always a mistake. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Linkin Park was actually one of literally the two influences for the whole thing. I've had to really crudely cut it down, along with Dilla's Juriscape plan that I put. Yeah. So trying to tie those together, I mean, what lands in the middle there? Uh, it probably will actually be covered in the everyday category, I imagine. Something that tries to balance two sides of the mm. coin. So should we just go for first track on the first EP? Then? Sure. Whatever, yeah. they're all the same. Uh, well, yeah, there, yeah, there, there is a, a little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to have to get this up, actually. Um because I'm pretty sure it's... I was listening to it today. Yeah, it's RE, They Have No Reflections. So that'll be our first pick. (laughs) 
Yeah. One thing I will say about Linkin Park is that um, I think people forget how big electronics were in their sound. Huge. Yeah. Uh, and I think they are... I'll be honest, I was, uh, as I say, I, I was a newcomer to all this stuff quite recently. Again, Rob introduced me to Hybrid Theory. It was an album, like so many of those groups, that was just sneered at based yeah. on perceptions of the scene, as Rob mentioned. It's it's a it's a it's a good album, Hybrid Theory. Yeah, it's a great record. And it's pretty theory. unique in terms of the high hybrid, forgive me, that it that it produced. And it's some some good old singles on that record. I think it's worth a listen, and I'm glad that these things are being rediscovered now because I wouldn't have heard it were it not for somebody basically saying to me, Hang on, this isn't it's not that crap. Which you shouldn't you know, that shouldn't be no, there Any is a little bit. Equation, of, I think you know. again, Brim and the Horizon are probably part of this with their later material, which we'll mm. talk about. I know we will. Um, this acceptance of new metal as an influence again, where mm. and not just critically acclaimed new metal like Deftones. So Deftones are fucking awesome, but like the more mass market orientated new metal, Limp like Biscuit. Limp Biscuit did a and, lot of damage, and Linkin Park and Corn, where people really like to have a go at them, but I think they're all quite good. I, I like Limp Biscuit quite a bit, actually. I, but like, I couldn't, I could never pretend. I, I, I had, I knew that I was supposed to, but I could never pretend that I didn't like some of those sort of big singles that Limp yeah, Biscuit did. Significant, they're fun, like, and everybody knows all the lyrics. They are a galvanising party band. Yeah, well, the first three records by Limp Biscuit, um, Three Dollar Bill, y'all... Um, significant other and chocolate starfish. Chocolate starfish. Hot dog flavor water. Uh, they're, they're good metal records. They're like, fun. And honestly, I take. I, I'm not ashamed to say that I think that Limp Bizkit's rhythm section is as tight as Rage Against the Machine, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like it's they're tight as shit. Oh, West, yeah, the thing is, they are. They're all Borland's, capable. Wes Borland is a fucking awesome guitarist, as well. He does a lot of very inventive things with what are essentially just six strings and a board. And I'm glad that Bring the Horizon being accepted as a new metal group is... I'm just glad that they're being accepted as a new metal group, to be perfectly honest, mm. because it's so easy to be so dismissive of stuff like that. But from Sempaternal onwards, I remember people laughing about Sempaternal at the time, saying like, oh, they just sound like Linkin Park. And it's like, yeah, they do. So get on board. They're reclaiming it. (laughs) Well, uh, moving from influences onto something sort of compatible, I think. What, and we've basically already prefaced this, I think, by saying it's, they never really had a consistent sound. No. Um, What, if we can, constitutes their everyday sound? Well, they've changed so much that it's really fucking hard to pin them down. Mm-hmm. Really hard to pin down what their sound is anymore as a whole group. You would say that they're still a metal group and they've still got loads of metal influences, but they've just they've come at metal from several different angles that it was hard to like... Like when we did Weezer, it was like, oh, well, it's clearly pork and beans because it's mm-hmm. like the cool power pop sound with like a short song, clear structure and a bit of a novelty aspect. And I was like... Mm. Mm-hmm. And whereas with... Bring the Horizon, it's like, they, they, yeah, they really have changed so much. And so I came at it two ways for my two picks. So there was, which song contains as many of their disparate elements mm-hmm. as possible? And that's how I resulted in uh, on uh, Hospital for Souls. 
Ah. But then I thought, which one of their songs could you find a version of on every single album? Interesting. Which was Dear Diary from Hey, that's a good pick. Horror. I don't know why I didn't consider it. Um, yeah. But yeah, because so behind Hospital for Souls, it starts off in kind of ammo mode a little mm-hmm. bit. I think it indicates towards something that they'd eventually do on ammo, but then obviously the last two minutes are just your more early, mm. big kind of like, especially from Suicide Season onwards, like your big anthemic, full strumming, big metal section. You get you start off with the sort of ambient and electronic influences, and then you get the heavy metal influences later on. Whereas with Dear Diary, I reckon you could probably get that on Count Your Blessings, a version of that. I would say maybe without the melody, with the. I think if you just mm. delivered it as a. That's it's mm. it's fucking boring. I reckon you could probably get that on Count Your Blessings. So I think my more solid pick is probably Dear Diary because mm. it has all of the melodic and electronic influences, drum and bass influences that come into the sound later on and the programming and the computer laptop stuff. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, but it, And it still has that fury that you could find on Suicide Season. Uh, that was that song was like, oh, so they've come back slightly from... They've, they've retreated ever so slightly from Ammo. Mm. And they've they've gone back to a kind of heavy metal stuff. I'm almost kicking myself because the problem is I, I'm I'm so taken with Parasite Eve that I often forget that uh, Dear Diary starts the album. Mm. It's a good song. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know it was probably a bit of a shock to people's complacency. We're expecting a sort of the more soft electronic side that it's pretty uh, it's more raucous than anything they've possibly done since mm. I don't know. Um, yeah, there I'd is say, a heaven. Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, the other choice, Hospital of Souls, is Hospital for Souls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I think, as well as looking forward to um, where their sound would go, I think it kind of has a kinship with um, the title track from Suicide I was Season. thinking that, yeah. The Just the dynamics. Long, yeah, and yeah. I mean, that was a real game changer. I mean, I can't, I can't express enough how how much of a transformation there was. Although there are lots of superficial style elements that are saying between the first and the second album, yeah. something happened. I mean, I 
I actually like Suicides, and so that's a, yeah. a, a massive step up to begin with. But it's a good thing you didn't start mm. with Count Your Blessings because I know you started with Sempaternal, um, so, and then kind of worked your way sideways and backwards. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder who that was who I did start with. Hmm. That, I wonder what that Count Your Blessings was because, in a way, I'm like, if you had a really shit version of somebody like um, Death from Above. 1979. Yeah. Imagine that done really badly. Yeah. That's what it sounded like, with lots mm. more sort of electronic elements. So God knows what that was. Hmm. Anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, the album that you thought was Count Your Blessings was this weird dance punk record. <laughs> which weirdly probably resembled Bring Me the Horizon's latest stuff more than, mm. more than Count Your Blessings. But anyway, yeah, um, that's really good stuff. And I think I'm coming along the same lines, actually, especially with the first pick which was like you trying to find a song that has elements of all of the stuff that they've done which is impossible to get it all but you know what has glitchy electronic elements ambient passages a big sort of roaring like metalcore or new metal inspired chorus that you can sing along with and I fell on sleepwalking yeah, sleepwalking was, sleepwalking was going to be one of my picks, mm. and then I substituted it out. But yeah, sleepwalking's a good, good pick, I think. has a little bit of all of those elements um sleepwalking's a great record I, it I, I is love it is i think it's i think it's really good yeah. it is it's I, one I of the like best i think but um the other one was uh, perhaps for kind of different reasons maybe uh it's less complimentary in a way perhaps but uh, true friends um mm. in a sense that almost in spite of themselves they've kind of always had a sort of like a, a mimetic hook in a way. Oh, they're so they're so corny. I love <laughs> I love how corny they are. This is part of what even the stuff of theirs that I don't like that much. There is something about them that I find so bloody charming that their lyrics that like oh, they, it's like um, the song from um, uh, Suicide Season that makes me think of this the most actually um, is Sleep with One Eye Open. Mm. Where like they put all of this effort into doing like this jaggedy. I think the I think the intro is in nine. I think mm. it's in a passage of nine because it's the do 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 And then they go to, they put all this effort into making like this jaggedy like angular odd time intro and it's all dead serious and like bro and then they take a break and they all go fuck you. <laughs> it's just I love that element of it where uh. it's like. They they are like, especially their early records, they put all this effort into sounding like a dead serious metal band and yet they've got like a petulant teenager as a lyricist and oh. singer and I kind of love it because it, it makes them stand out a little bit in my memory from like other metal bands I've listened to where like, I mean I was listening to At The Gates before on the way to your house to record this episode and like they have a song on one of their early albums which is called Raped by the Light of Christ and it's like oh, that again so, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes metal bands can go a little bit overboard with like the imagery and stuff and like I've not, mm. not got a problem with like 
transgressive imagery and provocative song titles and stuff. I don't really give a shit about that, but I kind of love how they can't be anything but honest, Bring Me The Horizon, with, like, the, the lyrics... Ollie Sykes says, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure. He's not a great <laughs> lyricist, I don't think, but I kind of love that he's not because it's all very honest and it still feels a little bit like they're taking pages out of a teenager's diary. Mm. And I do find that quite cute. And it, so it's true, yeah. but then again, I suppose in a true way, friends true friends kind of fits that bill. True friends stabbed you in the front. It's the thing is though, that's <laughs> expertly executed meme material. As you, you said when we yeah. talked about that first, it's like that that is the t-shirt, and they knew it. Yeah, true friends. And they were right, it, yeah. and it was a hit, and it was a, it was a, it is a t-shirt, and then, presumably and then it, one of their best it, selling. It, and then it got made into a t-shirt. Yeah. And then I remember um, Sky Sports. There was an advert for Sky Sports. <laughs> At the start of the, it was January 2017 or something. He had like, uh, it was all like, this is what's coming on Sky Sports in 2017. And it was like mm. NASA Hussein, <laughs> Jeff Stelling, and all these like figures from football and cricket and stuff. And they're like, um, and then someone walking forward, and we've got Formula One. And then like, there'll have to be a footage of Lewis Hamilton going, or something like that. And the instrumental to True Friends is the soundtrack mm. to the album. I was like, uh, you know what? Like, fair enough. Like, you know, it's, it's not bad. I mean, they it's... made a jump with that album, and it's like, and it is, it, it's got a dramatic, big dramatic intro, like with the the staccato strings, like yeah, the strings is another. It runs through actually the whole lot. This yeah. from even from Suicide Season, which I've forgotten. I always have that in my head as being really kind of post-hardcore kind Those of sounding. The synth strings, the the ambient passage in Chelsea mm. Smile. Yep. Is is a bit of a turning point, but they do, and as well, yeah. you know, the title track. But um, mm. and sometimes that they can be used. It's a mixed bag. Sometimes they can be quite effective for getting a sense of scale. Sometimes I think on, for example, an album like There Is a Heaven, it becomes a bit sort of generic soundtrack metal, sort of gloominess, like mm-hmm. you know, the descending sequence with the da-da. I mean, I know that's Requiem for a Dream, but it's supposed to be like, no, this is the serious, like, this is the end of the world song, you know? And it's like, oh, God. I wouldn't hold my breath if I was you Cause I forget, but I'll never forgive you Don't you know, don't you know True friends stab you in the front I don't think it's one of the best songs, True Friends. Not one of my favourites. No, and no, it, it's fairly by their standards. It's quite, it's quite safe and generic in a way. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. Yeah. But um, but yeah, uh, it's not it's not the best reasoning. I think it's, we're probably going to end up going with uh, with you, one of these sempaternal picks, aren't we? Well, you seem very taken by. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Dear Diary. Dear Diary, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I can't believe I missed that. So it's definitely going to be between Dear Diary and Sleepwalking, I think, are the two. Uh, I feel like we should get a coin for this stuff, really, because then oh, again, we're not going to be. A, well, we've never really <laughs> properly done it before, but um, I did. Well, me, me and Josh did it with uh, with Tricky. <laughs> oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, which was. Um, Hang on, I'll, I'll have a coin in my wallet. Hang on, I'll get it out. No one has coins these days. No, they're forcing us all to plastic and digital money, but. There are those of us who are Luddites yeah. and keep coins, so I'll, I'll try and Ooh, keep... Ooh, I haven't flipped a coin in ages. I've forgotten how to do it. Right, there you go. Is it... 
Is that I'll do? And then I'll. Uh, I'll what, what, what we call him then? So okay, so heads, dear diary, tails, uh, sleepwalking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what you? Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I'll flip it on the back of my hand. So it's heads. Dear diary. Dear diary, dear diary I feel it chill like there's bugs under my skin. The dog's gone rabbit. Shut the fuck up! Doing my On to best elements. Um, yeah, you can take the lead on this one. I'm curious to hear what you think. Sure, actually. sure. Um, again, this should not be confused with what we think is their best song. Because as, as often happens with this, my favourite song doesn't end up making any of the categories. Uh, no, my favourite Bring the Horizon song is not in this. No. So, What is your favourite Bring the Horizon song? Right? Um... Do you know what? Now you've asked me, um, I think it's gotta be something from. I really like House of Wolves. House of Wolves is good. I was listening to it this morning. Again, that's another rel- that's another part of the mm. the group that the the, the slightly the, my favorite moment of that song is one of the corniest, mm. where it's the drop into the. It's a great riff. But the lyric beforehand is the. When you die, the only kingdom you'll see is two foot wide and six foot down. Yeah, but that's it's wonderfully like there's something so triumphantly obvious about that. Oh yeah, you know, it's yeah so it is. It's on the nice it. end yeah. of silly, so it works. There's yeah. a lot of that on that record, and there's also the um, uh, you left like a house in a hurricane, which I actually really like. <laughs> yeah. I think it actually says something. It's, it's melodramatic as sin, but I actually quite like it as a turn of phrase. But um, but yeah, I really love House of Wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really come to like Anthem as well. Yes! I really... One of my fa- That's my favourite song off that album. Yeah, I just... Mm. I, I'd forgotten, after not listening to it for a couple of years, I'd forgotten about the last minute of that song, which mm. is fucking brilliant. The, the quarter time breakdown is awesome. Like, because they go from like... And like the really up-tempo, and then you just get the... Boom, boom, boom. With a slightly gent influenced guitar, but tone. up till that point, it's like yeah. roaring yeah. and catchy, uh, hardcore, and yeah. I really dig it. I mean, that's one of the things that album is split for me. I'm not still not a huge fan of There Is a Heaven. It seems to be shooting in very clear, discrete directions, and it, I don't yeah. think it often comes together. But there's a couple of tracks that are like, this is just us doing hardcore or yeah. post-hardcore. There's that, and then there's. Um, Home Sweet Hole. Yeah, yeah. Which is ace, I think. I love that riff. But it's real kind of like punk, shouty stuff. It's great. Mm. But, um... Yeah, so, yeah, Best Elements. What do you think they have as a group? Ah, well. Well. Now, this is probably one that not a lot of people would uh, consider. Um, I actually don't know the the critical consensus on this one. But uh, from Ammo, of all things... Okay. Again, this is not necessarily the best song. I do like it, though. Uh, Nihilist Blues. Mm. Yeah. Because... It's a nice song, that. Yeah. For a couple of elements. Um, it's it's fearlessly experimental in terms of... It's a very electronic song. Yeah, you couldn't say that they're not that as a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is poppy without being crass. It has a memorable chorus. That's definitely uh, indicative of the later stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. 
Uh, and it's very dynamic as well. One thing I'll always say about them, even from very early on, even from the second album, definitely not the first, unfortunately, they always mixed it up as it went through. They never really liked direct repetitions. They'll always see they try and build something up, all be variety. And with a lot of bands of kind of perhaps their genre or the genres that influenced them, you know, you get you three minutes and it would be chorus, you know, it'd be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and they'd repeat the chorus a few times at the end. They always like to mix it up. Mm. And uh, I think this is a song where they do that throughout. There's lots of different settings. There's lots of different arrangements for different parts. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it, I think it's beautifully produced. Yeah. Uh, really, one might, really nice, yeah. depending on where you come from, one might find it a little over-egged ammo, but I love the kind of glacial production of the record. And I think, to be honest, I think it achieves the kind of balance they were trying for on... Um, oh, God. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. Yeah. A little bit better, but I am fairly alone in that, I grant you. And I am not coming from perhaps a more metal angle, so there's a little bit of a, a different bias there. Yeah. Nihilist Blues is definitely one of my favourites off that record. Mm. Um, I know what you mean about them coming back to repeated sections, but just mixing it up ever so slightly. Like There's little things where like they'll keep the the main melody but they'll just phrase it ever so slightly yep. differently and there's little things like that and I also love how Hospital for Souls does that very it, well yeah um, mm-hmm. but I love the thing what I actually quite like about Ammo is that there's just a vague hint of industrial electronics and yes. industrial metal it's not unheavy is it no but it's all it's electronic just, it's stuff there. Yeah. it's just a little bit the electronic elements and things like Nihilist Blues there are little things that just remind me of little, like, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, it really, really reminds me of, like, Throbbing Gristle and stuff like that, and Nine Inch Nails and stuff, but there's just that little... Yeah, it's just a, a, there's a, there's a Nine Inch Nails. There's I mean, a fleck like... of it. There's a little fleck of it just there. Like, you know, as much as Grimes is an idiot, she's a really nice artist, and so, like, you know, it, it, well, she's become a bit of an idiot. Like, she's I'll be honest, I, I don't well, know that much about yeah. her, I've heard um, about her, but... but yeah, and her influences. Like, I'm not a huge fan of Grimes's albums, I'm a really big fan of some of her singles, like Genesis, Oblivion, Kill mm. vs. Mame. Like, there's some really lovely stuff, um, on, a, on her solo records, and she brings a lovely kind of pixie energy, like a space pixie energy to Nihilist Blues, where like it feels a bit cyber goth actually, mm-hmm. a little bit cyber goth, which I, I've, I've always appreciated. Yeah, that's a probably a good appraisal yeah. of it because it does, which leads into my next one, it's new types of heavy now, mm. in some ways, it's okay. like that made me raise my eyebrows, yeah, um. On the early records, at their worst, and this is something I might discuss in the next category, um, and I think sadly with a lot of, 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 
of try-hard metal bands. There's the idea that things that are heavy and things that are abrasive are always going to be the crux point and the yeah. focal point, even though sometimes it just it does not have the impact they intend. I can't think of any album opener that hits harder on a, a Bring Me The Horizon uh, album than uh, Can You Feel My Heart? Mm. With the da 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 It's like, oh... Because it is somehow abrasive and heavy without having any of the archetypal metal elements of abrasiveness and heaviness. It's more electronic dubstep stuff. It is, but yeah. it sounds huge. Yeah. And I realised, listening to that song, it's like... Well, they finish shows with it now, mm. which I think well, is... Ex- yeah. That is something I'll remember for a long, long time, looking around... And everybody was standing up. And everybody who had a partner with them was holding them next to them while that song played out. It unified everything. And as you were saying, it brought so many different types of music fan together. Yeah. I think it does. It's like the record as a whole, Sempiternal. It's a wonderful crux point of a lot of different elements. It's like you might like that if you like the pop punk or skate punk side of things. You might still find a lot to enjoy if you're coming from, certainly tracks like Shadow Moses, from a more extreme metal angle. Um, and there's this surge of more brutalist electronics coming in, and it draws all of these elements together into something that is, it's it's lovely. It's kind of it, and it's a very it's a sort of sentimental song in its own way. It's like yeah. a, you know, it's a very open song, um, but it it doesn't sound timid or like a sellout in any way, shape, or form. It's a wonderfully managed balance, and it just unifies and hybridizes a lot of different elements. Uh, really successfully and I think that's something they've done an awful lot in different ways in the later stages of their career in Shadow Moses there that's another mm. big peak favourite of mine that's possibly my favourite of theirs yeah it's I really outstanding. like Shadow Moses yeah and like basically what I, I always feel like that's the end of the first half of the album even though I don't listen to the album in halves it's on yeah. you know it's like the highlight the peak and then it goes really quiet but I just love the the mm. breakdowns in that song are so interesting because mm. the, the wipe that they do on mm. the guitar where they do because the, it does the the breakdown <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the little the, the the thing <laughs> where like they wipe back up the fretboard yeah. and it's just the and yeah I've always really 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 liked that song from like the second it came out mm. I remember clicking on that because I didn't know it would come out and I remember clicking on the video that someone had shared on Facebook and they were slagging it off saying like oh bring me the horizon have sold out and I was like oh I wonder what this sounds like and then I clicked on it expecting some garbage to come out and it was like this is awesome what are you talking it about is. but it this is. is kind of what I mean about bring me the horizon needing to do twice as much to get Half the acclaim oh, they've worked very hard. Some metal group, but uh, also, fans. sadly, I think they've almost also had to wait a little bit. Yeah, because I think <laughs> the elbow of metal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> waiting around in the shadows for ages, <laughs> and then suddenly, album three. <laughs> oh yeah, pulp. Blimey, you want another yeah. example? Yeah, yeah. Talk about sort of living in obscurity, but Green Day as well. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we could go on. No. Nice. REM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, it's almost like they had to wait um, for a period where people were softening a bit 
growing up, the audience that had yeah. listened to new metal and things like that had to grow up first before they realised, like, well, what's, what is actually wrong with liking that stuff? Hmm. And you'll find a lot of folk, you know, even older than me, were like, do you know what? I liked that band when I was younger, and I, I've never actually grown out of them. I think a lot of people just stopped listening to the bands like that because they thought they had to. Yeah. Because there was something embarrassing about it. But anyway, you basically already said all this. So, best elements, Rob? <laughs> um, I think that mm. they have... It's something they grow into, but they have this amazing ability. Mm. Again, like I find them... They're such an interesting contrast of like things that shouldn't make mm. sense together and yet do. Because sometimes, if I think if you just read the lyrics, you'd be a bit like... So I guess a lot of their compositions are pretty simplistic as well. Mm. No! no, no, they're, no they're, they're, they're superb songwriters. And they have this amazing knack it's something mm. that really start, it starts on Suicide Tears but it really for me comes through on There Is Hell this way of constantly not just rephrasing things but just coming up with new sections yes and finishing with like massive coda sections and doing stuff like that and building from a small origin point into something that's yeah. quite large yeah. and it always sounds very epic when they get there and so my softer pick for this, my second pick, um, I know that you're not a massive fan of it, but I, one of my favourites of theirs is It Never Ends. I think that the transition from the ambient spoken word passage out of Anthem into the riff from It Never Ends is an amazing little transition where we were talking about feelings of anticipation about from the overture of all of the lights into the like I feel the very similar way where that little girl says I feel like my heart has been touched by Christ then you get the the way that that builds towards the section where at the end you think they've kind of done everything that can be done in that song and then they do the every second every minute every hour every day section to kind of close it out and you get those lovely little ambient electronic noises the um bomb That was my softer pick. Those, you know, that nearly made my everyday list because mm. I thought if you drew a line straight down the middle, originally I was like, this is just like, it's like a tipping point. That record, I see it as possibly their most transitional in a way. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's yeah. definitely caught between two worlds, that album. Mm. Um... No, that's a good point. I don't, I don't dislike that song. Actually. Oh no, I know, but I know you're more lukewarm on it than I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I'm. I don't think I'll ever love that album. I think um, it has some of the most corny sort of trad metalisms of there, mm. and they really, you know, it's. It is an album where they do take themselves very seriously. I very, think. Yeah. And that's that does lead to compared to Suicide Season, I kind of prefer that because there are bits of Suicide Season where it feels like they've taken themselves very seriously, and then they'll go, "Oh, but not really, not really." And yeah, there's a particular example of that. Oh yes, uh, yeah, we'll probably <laughs> Should we talk go about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, right. So anyway, you're, you're the pick. But my solid pick, <laughs> my really solid pick is Parasite Eve. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Great Again, track. it does that thing where it builds from very small beginnings, and then by the mm. time you get to this, is a what? It's fucking. 
fucking awesome. Yeah, talk about it's dynamics. So good. You know, knowing so when to good. knowing when to bring yeah. things right down to quiet and then blast it out. I mean, the, the, yeah, the chorus transition is magnificent. Yeah, in that. it's great. And by the time you mm. get to the, um, and it, I think as well, we've kind of slagged his lyrics off a little bit. So I just want to mention one of my favourite passages of his, considering the times that we're living in. I think. When all the king's horses and all the king's friends don't know their asses from their pathogens, yeah. I think that's great. No, to be um, fair, that he, he yeah. does have some good stuff. Um, it's just sadly yeah. some of his most exposed lyrics are not great. He's also got a big obsession <laughs> with wolves. The yeah. House of Wolves. Throw me to the wolves. Do you think he's got a t-shirt with wolves on it? It, it probably does. Yes, really. Three Wolf Moon. I imagine mm. he owns. Yes. Um, but then the line a little bit after that as well. When life is a prison and death is a door. That's great. I, mm. think, I think that's really nice imagery. Yeah, no, um, to be fair, he doesn't... I don't think he really embarrasses himself. Uh, well, maybe the last track on the album gets a bit... Um, it's a bit Disney-fied, isn't it? I quite yeah. like it, but it's very Disney, and I don't know it's why... It's another world. I don't know why the title is so long. But um, mm. the thing... I suppose I can extol the virtues of post-human, because I think the best of post-human is the best of Rim of the Horizon... I cannot believe how prescient some of those lyrics are, considering that the bulk of the record was written just before the pandemic came. No, I know. And songs like Ludens, which was released six months before even coronavirus cases were even Mm. heard of, how can I form a connection when we can't even shake hands? Yeah, I know. It seems oddly prescient, doesn't it? Yeah, there are little Mm. lines like that. And I think that whole record is... It reminds me a little bit of OK Computer in the sense that, like, it's paranoid about prescribed existences and Mm. leaving everything up to algorithms and leaving everything up to mad bureaucracy. And OK, sometimes the metaphors get a little bit corny, like with Obey, like... Oh, just, just don't wake up and smell the corruption and it's like okay uh, yeah <laughs> kind of ruins the song well it doesn't ruin the whole song but like I, I would like it more if that line wasn't there that said I mean there is a you know I think it is a little more there's a more emotional variety I think on that record than oh, previous gotcha. ones I mean this yeah. is something like Ludens yeah, which is it's it's a new mood for them. It's ne- sort I of quiet dissatisfaction. I, well, I nearly picked that. It's for, a really good track, um, Ludens. I like it quite a lot. Yeah, I nearly nearly picked that for mm. um, uh, Ludens for um, Archetypal, mm. but I decided against it in the end. But like, it's got stuff on there that I really like, like uh, Kingslayer. Got a really good baby metal feature on there. Um, I really like One by One. I'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but all of it is this looking at the they managed to look at the world we live in and Mm. they take some interesting conclusions away from how much of it is digitized and relies very much on systems and if we leave everything in the hands of technology then what happens and it's amazing that they can take uh an apocalyptic fictional world that they've built and then apply it so readily and so immediately to the world that we're currently living in and Mm. it was it i think i got a lot out of that record because i was listening to it and i was like yeah, this speaks to how I'm feeling right now. And so... Yeah, no, yeah. it's... And it's... on top of that, you also get awesome riffs, like the Parasite Eve, the... And I love that end section where the drums start to get slightly programmed. Mm. And again, I love that, the irony, it's like the Sideshow Bob thing, where it's like, uh, by the way, I am aware I'm appearing on television in order to decry it, so don't bother pointing that out. <laughs> Whereas Brim the Horizon is like, we are aware that we're using laptops and computers to make our music and to decry the influence of laptops yes. and computers, so don't bother pointing <laughs> that out. Um, but where the drums start getting very choppy towards the end and very 
you can tell that they've been digitally cut up and mm. stuff like that. I love the, that's where I'd start to think about Pendulum. Obey's a bit corny and I don't I'm not a huge fan of the last track no. it's fine and I like I like the, I, it's interesting to hear vocal harmonies on a Brim of the Horizon record and I've always got time for Amy Lee I think she's a really good singer um, it just ends the album on a funny note for me yeah it, but it always feels like either that's a bonus track or it needs another another track at the end to close it off because it sort of just drifts off so, oh and not yeah. in a kind of ooh you know an open book yeah. Sort of a way. I, love just, the, yeah. um, I do like the, the piano segment right at the end of that mm. track, but it, it reminds me a little bit of the longer symphony based rock songs from like that Meatloaf did in like, really? like okay. you know like Parasite Paradise by the Dashboard Lights and things like that. Okay. Where it's the sure. male female vocal harmonies and things like that. And the, the big kind of booming theatrical that sort of a little bit. But um yeah, Parasite Eve um, I love the, the I don't know who they got to do the voice at the start the um, what is it um, the, the end has arrived we cannot save you enjoy the ride <laughs> I, I've always really liked that and I love the fact that they pull off something really corny like hope I don't sneeze a chew that's, that's cool and the, when, when we saw them live and the whole arena just went ah chew <laughs> no, I thought we were listening to bloody sparks yeah ah <laughs> chew now that would be an interesting group but anyway um, but um, yeah I just think it's awesome and then that, talking about them phrasing things slightly differently Ollie Sykes then takes over the mm. um, we cannot save you enjoy the ride you know that it's um, yeah I think it's a great song it's got one of his best choruses oh yeah no it's, it's one of the catchiest and when we forget the infection will we remember the lesson another great line from that song I and think. I think yeah. I don't he, know he if... was on it when he wrote that I think I don't know if I kind of enforced enough how, how good they are with a sort of a catchy chorus. Uh, sometimes in you know in, in an apparently quite extreme song, they'll be able to bring in something that's very you know a, a focal point of yeah. Of, that's a real strength of some paternal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, absolutely. No, I mean House of Wolves, where you get the verses that are like really fast paced and like mm. the, the jaggedy guitars, mm. and you get the show me a tie, show me a race, all that. But then you get to the chorus, and it's just the Brick by brick, brick by brick, brick, these walls begin to cave in. It's very lovely melody. Couple of like you know the familiar intervals that they rely on quite mm. a lot. I think the is <laughs> quite a popular interval that they use, but um, it's cool and they know what they're doing. I think that's always there. Are, I I remember saying this about them years mm. and years ago. They're the closest that I think you could get to pop metal. Mm. In, in that way and because um, essentially I think that's what I find so fascinating about Ollie Sykes which is that he's essentially a boy band front man <laughs> in, in aesthetics and in the way that he looks and the fact that he's so pretty mm. and he takes care of his image so much and well nowadays maybe uh, yeah but like even back in the day he was head to toe in tattoos it was all very managed and like he, he cared a lot about being a, a pretty boy I think that's what quite a lot of metal fans at the time really didn't like the fact that he was pretty and attractive and actually showered. 
and that sort of thing. You know, he looked like he took care of himself and he was what would have been described 15 years ago in the less enlightened world as a metrosexual. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's something that again comes through with Parasite Eva. It's like he's always been very clued in to what pop works in metal and how you can get pop elements into metal and Parasite Eva is a yeah, really strong example absolutely. of that. I think that is definitely a strength and that's... Uh... Certainly a favourite of mine, and one that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be averse to actually having as the best. So, so the Pixar then, the Parasite Eve. Is that, is that your? Are you dead on yeah, Parasite, Parasite Eve of mine? Uh, I, hmm. Yeah, I mean that was one I I did consider. I did toy with Parasite Eve. Um, but let's say we've also got um. Can you feel my heart? Parasite Eve, or can you feel my heart? Hmm. If we, if we had to just cut it down to two, simply because it is it is in its own way experimental, but it manages to forge a new direction without actually mm. betraying any of the the aesthetic fundamentals. Well, um, I'll put the coin down for this one. I'm happy to have Can You Feel My Heart as the, their best elements as a, as a group. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I really wouldn't mind if it went the other way, but okay. Cool. You know what, shit? These things, Rob, go for it. Yeah, they're worst elements as a group. Um, (laughs) Right, so we have to go back to the first couple of records for this, and it's something I've alluded to, where there are elements of their first albums that obviously I I really like. I'm not massive on Count Your Blessings. I think it's okay. I think it's just a bit meh, myself. Whereas Suicide Season, nostalgia makes me think that it's probably better than it is and then when you said that you liked it I was like oh maybe I'm being a bit harsh on so it I was listening again today I actually think it's I genuinely think it's a it's a good record yeah I think I have issues with the production because it sounds a bit white noisy to me but mm. um, a bit too harsh it is very points. kind of punky sort of yes, raw very I, very raw I do like yeah. that though maybe coming in slightly from the more punk side than the metal mm-hmm. side eh, maybe that's um, it but mm. there are huge leaps forward on that record really mm. like Chelsea Smile yep um, I think the come down's pretty good. Yeah, it is a good opener. Um, there are some songs on there that are absolute piss. Like, um, <laughs> what is it now? Um, it was written in blood. I don't like it was written in blood. I think. It's kind of grown on me a bit. The chorus is a bit dumb. It was written in blood. It was written in just blood. Over and over and over blood. again. But um, there are two songs on that album particularly that I just think are garbage for like two reasons. I know one of them. Well, yeah, I mentioned it before, which is football season is over. And it's Mm. something that comes in on their first album too. And it's like, they can't, like I was saying before, they can't tell if they want to be like a dead serious group where it's like Mm. everything's very heightened emotions and very melodramatic. And then every now and again, it's like, oh, but we we need to do a party song. No, I know. And so you get little references and stuff like at the end of Pray for Plagues, like, well, even at the start, like there's this 
they set they sound like they want to be the band who's in the Chelsea Smile video, mm-hmm. where like everything is, as they say in Pray for Plagues, everything's laced in vomit and alka pops. Yeah, yeah, and sick, and it feels like a Skins episode. Mm-hmm. And so, and because the Skins how Skins was, I thought the first two seasons of Skins are pretty good. They've not aged very well because there are elements of them where it's like they'll say things to each other and it's like no one says that anymore not like in the sense that it's offensive it's more like slang oh i see it just doesn't like it's like in safe mate it's like it's like it's like aj in the sopranos where he'll say that's well fat and it's like oh yeah phat remember that yeah and dope dope mate yeah like there are little things like that in skins where i'm like but and the house parties aren't realistic like the house parties but then you know you can't make realistic television the point of tv is to tell stories so fuck realism as far as i'm concerned Mm. but if you want to, if it serves your story, then do it. And so, skins the house. There's a parties. huge debate there that we shouldn't go into. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's my that's my opinion. But like <sighs> with skins, house parties and stuff, not that many people throw up. Not that many people take drugs. At least not the several house parties I went to when I was a teenager. And it feels like Bring Me the Horizon wanted to capture like mosh pit in a living room. Everyone's very drunk to the point where they can't see. I mean, that is a line at the end of football season over. I'm so drunk I can't even see anymore. Oh, God, and like, yeah. there's there's things like that where and bogus laughter, like, yeah. <laughs> we're fucking right on me. And, yeah. like, and it just feels that there is a song by Arctic Monkeys, um, uh, "Red Light Indicates Doors Are Secured," which is a song about getting a taxi home after a night out. It's a great song title. It is, it, well, it, it, and it's a it's a cool song with some really interesting lyrical details about getting a cab home when you're 18 and pissed, which is not an experience I've ever had because I don't drink. I'm teetotal and boring. Oh, but, yeah. But like, but this version of it with Brim the Horizon football season is over. I just don't like the party stuff on the early records. I just think like well, it's not funny to start it's with. Unless totally you're totally a mess. Unless you're like 16, maybe mm. it's not very. Funny. It doesn't no. age well, as you say. And then it just it ends with like the hooting and the hollering and like all that stuff. Party till you pass out, drink till you're dead. Dance all night till you can't feel your legs. Party till you pass out, drink till you're dead. Dance all fucking. Party till you pass out, drink till you're dead. Dance all night till you can't feel your legs. Party till you pass out. That was, that's my soft pick. But my big pick off Suicide Season is to give it its full title, No Need for Introductions, I've Read About Girls Like You on the Backs of Toilet Doors. And I'm like, right, fucking hell. Like, just the way that they start it with that, like, jazz, soft jazz thing, and it's like, psych! And like, like they do on the first record where someone literally shouts psych and it's like, and then they go into grindcore for some reason. And then it ends with... I didn't, I don't know whether to bring this up or not because it felt like, you know... Oh, but let's, let's have some context. Well, the, um, the Nottingham Rock City incident in 2006, uh, don't know if it's true. No. Wasn't, wasn't there. Um, can I believe it's true? Probably. Because there were a bunch of fucking stupid drunk kids, after all. Yeah, so things like that happened. So, you know, I'm not going to say that it didn't happen. Um, and the atmosphere that they put out on these party records feels like that's the situation that they could end up in. I wasn't there. It was the case was... I just want to mention that the case was thrown out due to lack of evidence. Um, 
I don't really hold my singers up to be role models so that they can they, they, they do bad things sometimes yeah. and it doesn't mean I can't listen to their music um, Ollie Sykes has been very very confessional about the fact that he was basically a mess until he was like into like 2013 where he was he had loads of bad drug habits when we saw him he said this is one of the first gigs in my life that I've ever played completely sober and he said it feels awesome he yeah. says I've you know I've spent a lot of my life in a mess um, it sounds like he was in a relationship that was a bit of a mess on both sides and both of them have accused the other of abusive behaviour and stuff like that and mm. so you know th- but the thing is we, c- we can't know unfortunately no because I, I I'm mm. not there and so yeah. I but to have allegations like that hanging over your head if you've not done them and if you feel that you've not done anything wrong it must feel fucking awful and it must feel horrible and I'm not against artists exploring their darkest feelings and putting it onto record, but after everything you put me through, I should have fucking pissed on you. Given what the allegations were, was a bit like, oh. But maybe if the song were more... Not a joke. Fraught, exactly, and it wasn't just like yeah. kids larking about. It's just, it's just a bit embarrassing, and the only way yeah. that it can kind of... There, there is an ugliness to the first couple of records that comes through in the way that I don't mind like you know single perspective I mean obviously single perspective is where all art comes from but like you know I, I don't expect every song a guy ever sings about a woman to like have a woman come in on the second verse and explain her point of view because what would be the point in that but like there are some songs where it really works well like there's a couple of songs by the postal service where that really works or like Go Away by Weezer mm that we uh, probably talked about on the show before. But the only voices that you hear from women on, like, the first album is just that one at the end of Pray for Plagues, where, like, they just play, they play like, a, just like, a porn clip. And it's like, oh, the you woman see, I didn't... asked to be, asking to be, like... Have you heard at the end of Pray for Plagues? I don't... I'll be honest, I don't know that I've actually heard that far in any of those songs. That's not right. verbally. I okay. struggle with that record. Oh, well, okay. Um, <laughs> so I don't do... I feel like if I do the impression, I'm not going to do it justice, so I'm just No, gonna, no, no, no. Put that way. You're going to do the impression. I'm not going to do the impression because I feel like... I. So everybody... Okay, just so... Uh, this is on my Spotify on my phone, so this is Pray for Plagues by Bring the Horizon. Everybody knows it. Okay, just so everyone knows it's Pray for Plagues, and we'll skip to the end. Uh, we're in the last uh, 15 seconds now, and you just have to wait for it. This is the only voice you hear of a woman on the album when it gets there. And she says, Come on, my face. Mm. And it's a bit, and that's fine, you know, they've taken it from a porn clip, women can ask to be, have come on their face, that's fine. That, you know, people, that works for people in sex, that doesn't bother me, it doesn't scare me. But when it's surrounded by all of the horrible misogynist content on that first album, where it's like, and bits on the second album as well, where it's like, yeah, Metal's a very melodramatic and angry record, but I feel like there's things like Sleep With One Eye Open where it communicates the anger that you feel mm. when you feel like you've been betrayed and it doesn't cross over a line that songs like Pray For Plague do where it's like, 
the way that the women are written about on those first two records feels a bit ugly and I don't often get I can't, all... I can't hear most of the lyrics on that first album yeah. I'm quite honest so I'm not sure what he's saying but that seems to be it's weird that the only audible vocals on the album yeah. might be something from a porno it's strange it's just like there's lots of mm. I mean I don't you know I don't mind misogyny on record we have talked about how much we like Kanye West and Ice Cube and well, things de- like uh, you that. know confession Death Certificate, my favourite hip-hop album of yeah, all time. Yeah, Death Certificate. Problematic, a... to yeah. say the least. Yeah. I don't get all pearl-clutchy about stuff like this, because people are people, and, like, I don't... Celebrities aren't role models to me. Like, I like them a lot, and I find them fascinating, mm. certain ones, but, like, I don't behave because I think that... I don't want them to behave well. I don't expect them to behave well, because they just... As far as I'm concerned, celebrities are just normal people given far too much power. Which and that can that, be a huge problem. It can be. And it means mm. that every now and again, you're going to get moments like this on records where, like, Ollie Sykes was just a kid given a lot of power and influence. Mm. And so it means that all of his ugly parts come mm. with all of the things that we like. Like, mm. It's like we were talking about this with Kanye West, where it's like you can't forgive the fact that he says things like, oh, slavery was a choice. But if, if, if he wasn't so outspoken to say things like that, would his records be anywhere in, anywhere near as interesting no, it's, as it's, they are? The thing is, no. it's at least it's at least it gets people talking. It's a bloody discourse. You have to take the good with the bad. Is my point really? Yeah, you do. As long as it's kind of you know, there's a difference between talking about things or making art about something and actually perpetrating things. I mean, I shouldn't need to say that really, but but that. But then I feel like there is a little line crossed here where it's just like, there is just an ugliness to those first Mm. two records. Beyond the fact that I think they both sound like garbage for different reasons, Mm. there is a bit of an ugliness to the personality, I think, of that first record especially. And I think that, and the the second record is, I think... Yeah, it's it's, it's they're they're, they're, they're stretching the kind of, you know, youth and and inexperience thing by that point. Yeah, it's like there are two types of women on those first two albums, and it's the ones that are like, as they would probably describe them at the time, cold-hearted bitches who will rip your organs out and, like, betray you. And then there's the women who are super easy, the ones who write their phone numbers on the backs of toilet doors. Or spooky horror movie girls who are, like, choir singers or or And comparing them to, like, Medusa Mm. and... And then it all kind of comes to a head with like, after everything you put me through, I should have... And it's just the fact that he's like spitting in my ear. There's another bad aspect um, to that. Not only because it's a wank song. Yeah. It's, it's the again, supporting the fact that they thought that pure heaviness was instantly going to be impactful. After that, after he says that, it's like, oh, this is, that, was the, that was the bomb. Let's drop yeah. it with this ding, ding, ding. And it's like, it sounds lame. Yeah. It just sounds... Childish. The whole thing is childish. And after everything you put me through, I should have fucking fed on you! Like, your point before, actually, is similar to the point I was going to make as well, mm. which is that if that line was part of a whole song where it was like mm. he was, I don't know, maybe reflecting on the incident or something, it's just the fact that they turn it into a joke and then they turn the whole song title into a punchline about easy women and stuff. Mm. It's like, 
I just, I'm not against the song being there. I would never ask for it to be censored because I'm sure they acknowledge that it was a pretty stupid thing to do. No, but I think all we need um, to do is actually be able to say what elements are. You know, well, that's a problematic element on something that is good or this, that and the other. Yeah. That can be dealt with. But we don't, ha- it, not everything has to be either completely clean or completely rotten. In fact, nothing is, unfortunately. What are your um, <laughs> picks for this then? Leading directly off, I did consider that exact track of Suicide oh, cool. Season. Right. Um, uh, but I actually went with something from a later album, which also illustrates some rubbish lyrics. Um, it completely fails to have the impact it intends to have. And they were far too experienced and expert at this point for it to be as forgivable. Um, this is going to be interesting. It's not sort of problematic in the same way, other than, you know, a lot of people consider it quite an ugly word, but the track, unquestionably the worst, off what I think is their best album, Antivist, mm. of Sempaternal. Yes. I did also <laughs> consider this as well. I, I don't like Antivist much. It's, it is kind of rubbish. Now, it is... Yeah. To be fair, I kind of, I can, I, I know where they're coming from. In some ways, it's talking about the frustration of self-righteous people who tell others what to do and then don't enact it themselves. We all know the situation. But it's just so ineffectual. <laughs> and the, the crux point of the song is just embarrassing. Again, there's this idea, it's the cheap metal idea, that more extreme is more impactful. So the, the brilliant... You know the brilliant turnaround on this uh, on this foe in the middle of the song is after he's delivered his uh, I don't know what is it. If you believe in the words that you preach, get off your screens and onto the streets. <laughs> and then it, you know the, the 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 antagonist says something back, and so Ollie just turns it back around with well to that. I, I say, say you're a cunt. <laughs> and then the word cunt just echoes ineffectually around like, whoa! So that's not an argument. That's feeble. And you know, the, the thing is, the most effective put-downs in music history, there's no, there's no swearing. They're quietly brutal. And I was thinking about a couple earlier on. I mean, it just shows what I, the fogey I am in my music taste. But... Do you know what one of the most horrible put-downs in a song ever is? It was a hit song, You're So Vain. Yeah, yeah. That is a mind game in a song. It's mm. brutal. At the same time, you know, is it Old Man by Randy Newman? It's somebody effectively talking to their father on their deathbed and basically saying, you know, no one's going to come and look after you. You lied to me and just leaves him to die effectively. No swearing, nothing like that. A really quiet song, it's... Utterly brutal. Just making me think about my favourite put-downs mm. in lyrics, actually. There's one mm. from a few years ago, quite recently, that I've always quite liked mm. from um, Fallout Boy, from Sugar We're Going Down, which is the, um, mm. I'm just a notch in your bedpost, but you're just a line in a song. Mm. Which I, which I yeah, quite you like. see, you don't... <laughs> it's actually better if you can take this wearing out. Some of the best... Yeah. Some of the best curses ever, like some of the most horrible I've heard, are nothing to do with swearing. Mm. You know, like... It's a thick of it, ism actually, but waste of skin is a really <laughs> nasty. Yeah. You know, there's waste of skin, and I think describing somebody as an afterbirth <laughs> is perhaps the most 
Now that's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty savage put down. That it's fundamentally, you know, removing your humanity. So if Ollie Sykes were to say, "Well, to that I say, you're a waste of skin," would that, would that be? Would that improve the song? <laughs> not much could, because especially if it goes, da, 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 yeah. "We're hardcore and we're not eight years old." But um, <laughs> anyway, no, that song is is, is just tripe. Full revolution, no war without blood. Just some overexposed pants lyrics, because he has done some good lyrics, you're right. But the problem is, some of the ones that stick out in songs, or things he chooses to repeat, aren't always great. My one I always come back to in this, and I mean, it's not a bad song. I don't I, I don't like it very much, but um, uh, End of There Is A Heaven, second but last track, what's it called again? Oh, uh, yeah, Blessed With The Curse. Yeah. yeah, and it's like... You're I really like Blessed With The Curse, actually, but this line is funny. <laughs> Blessed With The Curse, to rhyme with, and for better or for worse, I was born into a hearse. And it makes me, because it's done over the really, you know, the I talked about the cinematic downer, you know, metal. And it's the serious, you know, quiet ballad song. And he repeats that three times in the song. And it's rubbish. It is an embarrassing uh, couplet. It's terrible. I mean, you know, it's even worse than that bloody uh, ELP, you know. Every day I get a little... Madder, a little sadder. Somebody please get me a ladder. <laughs> I actually think this is worse. I actually think... But anyway, um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the um, ghost most uh, toast, toast one as yeah, well. I'd yeah. rather have a piece of toast. <laughs> to be fair, I think they knew that was gone. Whereas yeah, yeah. I don't think Ollie Sykes knew that, for better or for worse, I was born into a to rhyme with That's toast with a curse. Just to mention that is from <laughs> Life by Desiree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I might actually read the full verse of that because it needs to, justice <laughs> needs to be done to it actually by uh, reading it out oh I get the shivers I don't want to see a ghost it's a sight I fear the most I'd rather have a piece of toast <laughs> watch the, and watch the evening news oh, life oh life oh life <laughs> you know it's a, at least it's a light hearted song to yeah. be fair whereas bloody blessed with a curse Gordon Bennett uh, yeah, I was. Do you know, I nearly picked best, uh, blessed with the curse for their best because it grows, it rephrases that chorus every single know, to time. To be fair, yeah, uh, dynamism yeah. up the wazoo, as they say. I'm not going to yeah. argue with that. I'm not going to say it's a bad song, but it's just it is a weakness of Ollie Sykes exposed at its yeah. barest. Um, the other track for worst. Now this is a, this is the soft one. I perhaps should have uh, led with this. Is um, run. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, it's on more recent records. There's a couple of things. First of all, there's a tendency to. It sounds like they've written a pop song and then tried to metalize it. Yeah, that's what I feel like with Run. It's like all of the that is something they stop resisting on Ammo. Actually, mm-hmm. it's yeah. I mean, it's <sighs> it sounds. Like something from a 
phone advert, like a few of the, the songs at the start on the um, certainly on that bear, spirit. Bear, 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 bear. <laughs> yeah, and then oh god, which is it? Is it um? Oh no, that has the oh, oh, the sort yeah, of the, the sing along bloody chant that's like the, the uh, expand your world with Motorola. <laughs> yeah, well, it shit. does feel a little bit like. <laughs> That kind of thing didn't it, it? It did exist, but in a lesser form, or it was less often. But then it feels like "Viva La Vida" by Coldplay. Mm. The, um, oh, Ooh. just it feels like it just changed pop music. I think the well, I suppose there's one just before that as well, which is uh, that everybody seems to rip off, which is "Wake Up" by Arcade Fire. The um, oh, yep. at the start of that, and it feels like a lot of. If you want to go to festivals and mm. play at festivals, you have to have a whoa yeah. section. And I think it's something that they kind of use a lot better on um, Mother Tongue, mm. on Ammo, where towards the end... I think they go, use it better on Ammo as a whole. Oh, oh, no, a little bit more like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah like that. Like that. And that, <laughs> There's some good call and response stuff there, but um, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Mother Tongue, to be honest, but that's a nice element of the song, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've mentioned it before. I do the think millennial it's... whoop. Yeah, the millennial <laughs> whoop. Oh, I'm not a big fan of it in any way, shape, or form. But um, another one, and I have to say, while I do really like the new EP, uh, I, I, I think over the last few records there has been a tendency towards overcrowding of arrangements. Yeah. With lots of gimmicks, lots of sound effects, lots of different vocal effects, um, and I think certainly on Run and a lot of that album uh, and and on ammo as well it, it, there's a sense of too much going on and there's lots of like gimmicky cut up sound samples yeah. uh, it's you know it feels a bit too novelty and a bit too muddy and it loses a bit of the directness which is why i think for me still sempiternal remains that kind of perfect crux point yeah it's just the right just the right balance it doesn't get overwhelmed with the production side of things whereas i think it's like on <sighs> On the, the new EP, it sounds a bit like there's a lot of events on it. Yeah. But they're kind of, they feel less perhaps contained in their own coherent sound world than I would say the tracks on the first half of Sempiternal, perhaps. Mm. But I mean, I, I don't think it's a big problem on, on the new EP, but well, I certainly, I think it perhaps is a little over-egged in that department. So let's run. Um, but yeah, they're, they're mine. Uh, well, my solid pick is no need for introductions. What's yours? Yeah, I'm happy with that. It's a big pile of crap, but it, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right then. It is possibly their worst song, mm-hmm. if you can call it that. Oh, I would agree. But right. um, yeah. Okay, cool. Right. Well then, I'm actually probably going to pass this one on to you because I found it bloody hard, especially given the sporadic singles and collaborations released since the last EP. Yeah, we should say that like at the time of recording, the last actual single was Die For You, but they've released a, a remix of it over the weekend. Die, it's called Die Six You or something like that. Yeah, and there's a couple but, more collaborations that have come out yeah. within the last couple of months. There's one with Tom Morello, I think. Yep, yeah, there was that one which I've not heard, and a more recent one that I think came out last week. 
mm. that I've heard bits of. It's definitely on the more electronic side of things, but that brings up uh, what I felt to be an issue with working out what represents them now. So, Rob, you take the floor. Uh, my soft pick mm-hmm. for this was, was Die For You, because um, it's just latest single, and I think it's also emblematic of the fact that they are we're just going to do whatever they want they're basically set now they can do more pop radio orientated stuff if they want it's very it's a very very pop hook yeah stuff very pop stuff like medicine mother tongue die for you like i really like medicine i quite like medicine yeah Mm. Uh, but stuff like that it's it's more radio ready than it is their other stuff and so yeah die for you I feel like with this explosion of what they're calling, what the kids are calling an emo rap, mm. where it's this blending of emo and post-hardcore styles with um, more MySpace era electro pop music mm. and trap rap and things like that. It's, it, it's not a scene I'm like paying attention to much, but the stuff I've heard of it, it's at least interesting. It's a curious aesthetic. Mm. And there are songs like Body Bag by... I forget his name, but um, th- listening to that, I'm like, this is everything I was listening to on MySpace in like 2008. Bands like A Rocket to the Moon and Nickasaw and things like that, mixed with like things like it's sort of like 2010s rap, like Migos and you know the big kind of trap trap mm. rap acts who were quite big in America. And Bring Me the Horizon feel like they're muscling in on that a little bit because the more that people like Youngblood, for instance, get involved with rock music and the mm. closer and things like hyperpop taking in um, like groups like 100 Gex who are influenced by like rock music and they're basically they're post internet, they're post postmodern, mm. which makes me sound like a fucking wanker I'm using those kind of terms, but like. They are. And so... Well, just make them modern again. Uh, well, who knows? <laughs> who the hell knows? P- but post-internet's probably the best, where it's like everything in a vacuum, easily accessible at once. Mm. No scenes anymore. Everything's kind of homogenous and diverse at the same time. Yeah. History's collapsed because you can access basically anything. You don't have to... Nothing, everything is archived and everything is instant. You don't have to go trawling back through... You know, it's not like it's listed chronologically and you have to go further into YouTube to get to stuff from the 50s than you do to the 90s. Everything's there at the same time. And so you end up with stuff like Die For You where it's like you do the introduction and it's like something that, I don't know, Juice World or uh, the guy who did XO Tour Life. I forget his name. Um, but like these... XXX Tentation. Well, pre- people, people like Triple X Tentation or whatever you're supposed to pronounce his name like. Mixed with like... But they, the more they get involved with like harsher rock aesthetics, and mm. I imagine TikTok is probably a big push for things like this. Maybe and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. TikTok is a it. world that is alien to me. Yeah, but like, me too. But you end up with a song where it's like all these sites can come in very heavily vocal processed. Like you know, I would die for, I'd cry for. You know that I die for you. But then they can go very quiet. And I was thinking, oh, where's this going to go? And I didn't expect him to go, <laughs> yeah! yeah, like that. So like, that was, I find it a bit annoying that like the little synth lead that comes in underneath is a bit like the... The thing is, though, it doesn't sound like... It doesn't sound like they're selling out, even though it's like the poppiest thing. You know you're everything I hate. I wish I could escape.
that's one thing that I'll, I'll say is, as you said, they can go anywhere, really. Because I don't think they... They don't they have anything to prove. No, it's all done now. We, they've, played, yeah. they've played Sheffield Arena. Mm. As, if, if, as far as I'm concerned, if I was ever trying to make it as a musician, if I played Manchester Arena, I'd be like, right, fuck it, I made it. Mm. It's feeling a little bit that way recently. Um, Charlie Bliss, a uh, group that we're both into, they played mm. Web, they played Webster Hall in New York, and they were like, "Well, this is the first, the first gig I ever went to was at Webster Hall, and now we've played it." So oh, nice to see him. We've made it. Circle. You know, they, so yeah, they, it, it did. It felt it, it feels like a full circle moment, and now they've come full circle. Where where else can you go? Anywhere. Mm. So exactly, so you're, you're yeah. free for better or for worse. So that was you my soft born... pick. No. Um, that was my soft pick. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I can't. <laughs> stick it it's on ru- that, that line. phrase is ruined forever. Um, uh, but my really solid pick for this is one by one off um, uh, Posthuman, which is a song I really like. It's grown on me a lot. Mm. Um, I didn't like it that much at first. I thought it was one of the weaker songs of that type. But I was initially going to pick Teardrops because Teardrops I is like, teardrops. like yeah, Teardrops is a big like. Well, it sounds exactly like something... I mean, mentioning hybrid theory, I would really recommend listening to Meteora because Meteora, I think, makes... Post-human survival horror makes far more sense mm. after you've listened to Meteora than it does if you listen to hybrid theory. I mean, it makes a lot of sense after hybrid theory, but it makes even more sense after Meteora. Um, Not to be confused with the Chuckle Brothers album, To Meteora. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, it's awful, Come but um, so one by one is very very similar to um, or teardrops is very similar to um, somewhere I belong, but so is one by one. And the fact that one by one features Nova Twins, it speaks more to the di- more diverse influences of Bring Me the Horizon are allowed to allowing themselves to be involved with their music i had a metal gig surrounded by people of all ages all genders and now they're bringing out two female r&b singers onto the stage mm. as well and i'm like this is this is more and the audience seemed fine with it it's yeah it's, it doesn't it's seem gone, to be segregated it's, it's, it's gone beyond mm. a metal gig mm. i think at that point it, it it's it's become a pop gig and so I think one by just one, just really loud and abrasive. <laughs> yeah, it's really that's it. It's really loud and abrasive pop, and that's mm. maybe why I've been a fan of things like even on albums that I'm not massively keen on, but generally find okay. Like uh, I'm not massive on Ammo. I think it's all right, um, but I really like Mantra, Nihilist. Blues, Mantra's great. Wonderful yeah. life, like. They've mastered something with those, I think. And, and, and yeah, we mm-hmm. both said, I think, that we were amazed by how much um, Wonderful Life popped out on stage. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think either of us would really have considered that like a linchpin of the record, but it really pops live, doesn't it? I think we saw them uh, on a Saturday night as well, mm. which fit nicely with the lyrics. <laughs> I'm getting high on a Saturday night. Um, but yeah, something like Wonderful Life, Mantra, One by One. I think One by One's probably my, that, I think that's my solid pick though. One by One. Talk too much. Me, my 
Excellent. Well, I'm happy to go with that. You've explained that really well. And uh, what I think about right. you? As I say, I've really you not really got anything. No, because I'm like, well, what am I supposed to draw from this? Maybe I was getting too mired in style, but I think you're right that there's this hybrid aspect, which means they can move in any direction. So if you can, hmm. yeah, I'll go with that one by yeah. one. Why not? Cool. <laughs> yeah, me Excellent. One by one. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I just I feel like I've maybe slagged them off more than I've said good things about them uh, on this episode. So I just wanted to say that like. <laughs> I do kind of love them, I think. I've spent I spent a very long time with them, and I remember I remembered that, and I was I felt when I saw them. I think it's not the best gig I've ever been to, but it's probably my favourite mm. because probably because it was my first big arena gig after the pandemic, which is a big deal. That's definitely playing a part in it. But I also felt kind of strangely proud of them. I mean, they don't need me to feel proud of them because you know. They're just human beings who make music and they're already famous and they don't need me to feel proud of them or defend them or, you know, my opinion means squat to them. But I did feel strangely proud of them because I remember, like, if you told somebody that you liked Bring Me the Horizon Mm. about 13, 12, 12, 13 years ago, people who were into, you know, like, if you told people at school that you were into Bring Me the Horizon, they'd be like, oh, I don't like them, they sound like Slipknot. And so, mm. whereas if people who liked Slipknot found out you were into Bring Me the Horizon or music like Slipknot, I think they they wouldn't laugh at you, but they just kind of, oh, mm. okay, good, good for you. You know the shit, right? And it's like, oh, do I? Um, so, which is why, like, you know, everyone was into Paramore at my school, but like, not many people were into Bring Me the Horizon. No. Uh, and so, it felt I felt like things were turning a little bit in two thousand eleven where I remember I dropped uh, somebody off at the train station who's come to stay with me and I was wearing a Bring Me The Horizon t-shirt mm. and I was walking just in in fucking Stockport where like not exactly the most cultured of places in the world not exactly known as being a cultural hub mm. where, not like, like Salford no where, where, where people are into like alternative art uh, and things like that and not you know everything everybody just kind of I was joking uh, yes I know I know I, 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 I know I know yeah but I was dropping a a friend off um, from the train station mm. and I was just walking down a road on my estate and a guy was getting out of his car and he pointed at me and he went, oh, bring me the horizon, good group, and went into his house. Huh. And I was like, oh, are things changing? Mm. Is it okay to like them now? And then that was at the point where I kind of fell off with them a little bit, actually, a couple of months after that because personal circumstances changed. Um, but now it feels like I, I was kind of stunned that like they sold out an arena tour and number one like, EP I just yeah I just can't mm. believe that like they're one of the biggest bands in the country now and the reviews have been rapturous yeah like loads of five star reviews even from across fucking, the board I mean even like I mean I go up and down with him sometimes but even Mr. Needle Drop Anthony Fantano who gave Sempaternal a four out of ten oh, Jesus. um well, the, the weight of Fantano's decisions cannot be underestimated. Nope. Uh, he can decide whether you can like something or not for a lot of people. But he has mm. given higher scores to Ammo and post-human survival horror. Mm. Uh, and he was really into post-human survival horror. His reaction, mm-hmm. his reaction video to that album is quite funny. Yeah, um, it was like, it was, it was like I'm, you know, I'm ready to... To rock out like it's 2000 again. It was like, yeah. do you know what? You can always see his mind changing while he... Uh... Yes, while he was listening to it. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to feel that vindication for them. I feel kind of similar. I mean, Paramore were always very popular. 
but they didn't have much critical sway but now they really do and it feels like everyone's kind of waiting for them to come back yeah I mean when um, I was saying the reviews were like, I was mean particularly like the, the gig when I looked at reviews of the ah, there was yeah. like people saw it even that, that it was like this is a homecoming in very many ways it's, mm-hmm. it is like the the prodigal son returns yeah, so much pink at a metal gig it was great mm-hmm. I just I really liked how much pink there was and how much effort there was to be as pink as possible on the stage and and how not sort of surly and moody and childish the audience were and I'm so glad mm. that like maybe we've kind of moved past that kind of scene stuff now where mm. it's like my scene's against your scene and if you're part of that scene then we're not going to talk to you hopefully the internet has kind of dissolved most of that shit because it's fucking pointless. it's true it does have this hybrid effect and I think that is yeah. something that's really does need to be recognised in music of the last uh, 10 years particularly I and mean, it's, um, it's not something that comes with total positives I think you mm. know there was something that came out um, things move a lot slower these days which means that I think there's less room for imagination at the very very top you can't get things aren't really broken down by genre anymore so like you won't get a new metal group or like a rock group coming through or like an experimental R&B group mm. coming through who just happen to touch on the zeitgeist because they get given a bit of exposure. Mm. Now it's all very managed in a way that it never used to be. And there was this quite revealing headline a couple of weeks ago, um, maybe a month ago, where like mm. in 2011, Ed Sheeran and Adele were the biggest names mm. in pop music. And in 2021, Ed Sheeran and Adele had two big number one albums and singles. And it's like, with, with Drake threatening, circling from the outside, yeah, still. Well, and, and, and like Ariana Grande and stuff. Yeah. And like, obviously no disrespect to them as artists. Like, I, I quite like Ariana Grande. Uh, and Adele is fine for me. And I like her voice. I'm not mad struck on her music, but that's purely no, subjective. Yeah, but, but if you think about who was number one in 2001 and then think about who was number one in 2011... Things are moving really fucking slowly because of how mm. homogenized things have become, and it's it's a good thing that you can go to a metal gig with pop and R and B fans. But I think it's also no great change is ever going to come with one hundred percent positives. I think, but for in the case of Bring Me the Horizon, it's made them a more interesting group. I think to finally be allowed to be influenced by the groups that they actually liked mm. rather than the groups they felt they had to like to get mm. credence like and credibility like Pendulum and Linkin Park I mean they were popular but they weren't cool in well, a way that, the audience yeah. has grown with them as well that always helps yeah I'm still well I'm still here I'm 27 I got into them when I was 14 or 15 so I'm mm. still here and I think a lot of other people are too so yeah, yeah I'm 35 and I got into them when I was 35 <laughs> <laughs> It has been a roller coaster, though. So. <laughs> but anyway, Rob, thank you very much. That was really enjoyable. Again, it's one of the best things about this podcast, doing it, is just exploring stuff that I wouldn't normally have looked at. And for so many reasons, mm. I wouldn't have considered them. They'd just be... I don't have any particular emotional charge attached to the name. I knew nothing about them. Mm. I knew none of the songs. Couldn't have even told you, aside from them being roughly in the metal sphere, couldn't have told you what type of music they played. I remember you but, mentioning that when you were living in Glasgow, you maybe heard Chelsea smile a few times at rock clubs, but... 
Oh, I, do you know what? I, I think it's the sort of song that they would have played, but I didn't have the ear for anything like that at the time. Mm. So probably a lot of it sounded fairly similar to me because I'd not, you know, the only metal that I'd heard and really enjoyed at the time was probably like Master of Puppets and System of a Down. Hmm. I think I own three metal albums. Um, and I think since then it's diversified a lot and I've, I've explored a lot more that I enjoy and I can see the see the nuances a bit more. But um, but yeah, no, thank you for introducing me to Bring the Horizon. Um, one thing I'll say for them is that I'd actually be willing to put this out there. They're, I guarantee you they're better than you think they are. Yeah. Maybe, you might not love them, but they do deserve more credit than you're probably giving them. Yeah, I'll that's what so. I'll say. Yeah. Um, All right then. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Always good to talk about things from the past mm. that are still relevant somehow, and more relevant now than they were when they started. So indeed, speaks yeah. to their longevity and the fact that they recorded their best stuff, in my opinion, in their seventeenth year as a band. Is, yeah, that's that's pretty yeah, rare. Fair play. It's always yeah. good when you've got an established band where you can say, don't know what they're going to do next, no idea, I have no idea what's going to sound like, really. Mm. Um, and that's super, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you again, Rob. And always a I, pleasure. I hope you at home have enjoyed this this trawl through where, uh, however you describe, bring me the horizon sound. <laughs> but um, And that you will uh, join us again at some point. And that you're keeping well and keeping safe and getting your booster. Yes. But anyway, have an absolutely lovely Christmas 2024 when this this episode finally comes out. Uh, And yeah, take care. (laughs) 